They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. Hey, Matthew, I have a question for you. Yes. Why are all martial artist guys yellow? The answer, of course, Uh. is racism. The answer is always (laughs) racism. Karate Kid number 10, Death Duel on Orando. Published September, October 1977. Written by David Michelinie as Barry Jameson. With art by Rick Estrada. Synopsis, a fight to the death with the Black Dragon. Here we go back with the Karate Kid, Matthew, as he goes back to the future. Oh, Marty. Marty, sweep the leg, Marty. So we finally find out through a retcon why Karate Kid was in the past. I don't know that I would call it a retcon necessarily. I mean, they've been kind of keeping that under their hats, but yes. Yeah, but no, I mean, like in the first uh, issue of Karate Kid, he's like, look, guys, I, I need to go back to the past. To discover myself and find my I purpose, can't tell you and why I, I can't deal being the only you know superpowered karate guy in a group of people that have powers far beyond those of mere man. Oh, man. So I'm just going to go back and find myself. That was his whole whole shtick in issue one, and now he's like, oh no, I went back to the past to prove to your father that I was worthy because I guess time travel is how you do that. Remember, Projector says in this issue that Orando is like feudal England. And so he went back to the 70s America. Right, because he's from the future. He doesn't know the difference. You know, just like anyone today, if you're like, hey, we need to go back to the Battle of Hastings, people would be like, fine, 1776 it is. So, yeah. But they, I mean, even in issue one, there was kind of a, oh, what's the real purpose? What's the real reason? So I can see why you'd call it a retcon. I wouldn't agree in this case, but it's definitely something where it's like, it's played for a dun, dun, dun moment that isn't really there. It's not. Well, none of it's really there because then when she finds out, she kind of turns to the cameras like, you did this for widow me. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. That's actually some pretty strong storytelling by Estrada because we see her facing out a window and then she turns and it's the dramatic close-up. I, I really like that sequence, visually speaking. It's, here's the thing. I get it. Here's the thing. I get it. I understand why so many people are like, man, I sure wish comics would be like they used to be. Because this, this issue really kind of shows shows you is a prime example of what those people want when they say, I wish comics could be like they used to be guys Mm. fighting over helpless women, multiple guys fighting over women, women just kind of being, you know, granted princess projector does some stuff in here, but, but basically the men are there to woo the woman and seek her hand in marriage as opposed to, Hey lady, how about you choose who you want to be with? Maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, the right hand of uh, of King Schmeagel, or maybe it's Karate Kid, or maybe it's somebody else completely. It's up to you. If anything that Aladdin taught us, it was, you should have a choice. <laughs> but I really understand. I mean, this is one of those examples, and also the next issue, too, uh, of mm-hmm. the example of, well, this is why 
we uh why so many people are like we wish that comics were were the way they were in the olden days uh, because it's not really good towards they're not really good towards women uh they really are tone deaf when it comes to uh race um and it's it's not good uh, you know I, I hate to say that i mean this is a fairly good story but when you look at all of the what what some people would say today the coding is mm-hmm. going on in these books. It's really downright kind of cringeworthy. I feel like there's a lot to be said for the fact that they're kind of mashing up uh, Chinese and Japanese mm-hmm. and various, you know, East Asian tropes mm-hmm. because Sada, Sadaharu, who is apparently theoretically future Japanese, has a uh, sidekick whose name sounds. Chinese. Well, you, I think you, you know why is that is, Matthew, right? Juan Lo. You know why that is. Why is that? Racism, Matthew. All Asians <laughs> are the same. You can't d- d- differentiate between someone of Chinese descent and someone of Japanese descent. Well, and you know, you can look at this and you can definitely see the coloring. The you know. Oh, you Asian mean the yellow coloring of all the Asians? Bright, bright yes. orange. Yes. Yeah. I can definitely see it, and I feel like this is you know. The worst part about this, to be honest, is this is the best issue of Karate Kid to date overall in terms sad. of quality. That's pretty sad. It, it is, but, you know, you've been complaining that we're not covering every issue of Karate Kid. I'm protecting you uh, from nonsense because you can look in this issue and see there's an improvement in terms of the art. There's a, an improvement yeah. in terms of the combat sequences. When Black Dragon, Sadaharu, who we last mm-hmm. saw in Superboy 210... Yep. Comes looking for revenge, of course, you know, being a Japanese character, he's obviously driven by honor and regaining his honor. Japanese characters in the 70s in the comics and Klingons have a lot in common in that all you have to do is make them lose face and, you know, you won forever. But he's coming back and he wants to fight. I do like some of the touches in this book. There's a point where Karate Kid is like, hey, these guys look familiar. Yeah. They look familiar because you fought them 25 issues ago. You know, there's a point in this uh, episode or in this particular issue where Karate Kid is kicking and punching and kick punching. And, and there's this beautifully drawn flying sidekick by uh, Black I, yeah. Chicken And Sam. we've talked before about um, uh artist in here who's doing mm-hmm. this, uh, Estrada. Rick Estrada. Uh, you know, he really understands the martial arts moves, like I said, either he was a martial artist or gotten all the martial arts magazines like uh, uh, Daniel did in Karate Kid so he could learn karate. And so he's got all the moves down. And so, yes, the fight sequences in this look great. The fact that Black Dragon pulls out a gun from feudal Europe and whips it around on Karate Kid to show that he's not really honorable. Yeah, yep. good. Uh, you know, so there's, I mean... There's some good stuff in here. Unfortunately, when you get to a panel that shows two of the of uh, Black Dragon's goons and yeah. they have Fu Manchu mustaches, orange skin and buck teeth, I kind of yep. have to say, what is going on here? Yeah, I agree with you there. It's definitely an issue. And, you know, when you look at just the fact that the last time we saw uh, Black Dragon, you'll recall, was the issue where Karate Kid was clearly drawn as Asian. Mm-hmm. They're not doing that anymore here. No. I can definitely see where that is the huge problem. I feel like for me, the end of the fight. Well, and so no, the problem is, and, and this is where the problem comes in with me 
me personally, and probably a lot of other people, is that race is often used as a depiction of evil. And so your white color or light color skin people are quote unquote, the good ones. And then you always know who are the bad ones because they have dark skin or orange skin or yellow skin. And that's where I think so much of the frustration for me. And again, I know people are going to write in, people are going to text message me and say, Hey man, this was the seventies. That's the way it was. Yeah, that's the way it was. But unfortunately, a lot of these stereotypes and a lot of this thinking still continues forward today. And that's what makes it so frustrating. I think that the argument of it was the 70s and things were different only cuts so much ice because you get to a point where you have to ask yourself why in 1977 were these 1945 portrayals of Asian people still the norm? Well, why is it that you know the first Asian-American lead character in comics in his own book came in 1973, you know, yeah. and even then he was drawn bright orange. Yeah. So, so you, I mean, you do look at this and you have to say that I feel like society as a whole hadn't quite moved past all that in comic books, which at this point are still trailing behind yeah. in terms of representation are definitely trailing and, and definitely showing problems. Even though this is 1977, uh, Americans are still feeling the effects of the Vietnam war. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember even in the mid eighties, uh, when there was a huge influx of Asian immigrants, uh, refugees, uh, from Vietnam, from Korea, from, you know, all sorts of, uh, uh, countries, all sorts of different countries were coming in and how in the eighties, how other people were treating, uh, those immigrants. And we see things like Rambo. Uh, we see, you know, people just still very bitter about, uh, the Vietnam war taking out their aggressions. And unfortunately this doesn't help that situation even at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, there is a cultural movement to where more people are being accepted, especially on East Coast, West Coast mm -hmm. of, of Asian cinema and welcoming that. Uh, but even looking at, you know, I don't know, it, it's just it's just problematic for me. It just, every time I see this, it just reminds me that especially in this current day and age, as of this recording, mm -hmm. there are people who will look at someone with skin that is not white and will say, Oh, that's a bad person. Or if they do get to know one of these people will say to their face, Oh, you're one of the good ones. Right. And I, and I have this from firsthand experience. So, oh, uh, you know, anybody who wants to say, Oh, Steven, that's just your, your view of the world. No, this stuff actually happens and it irritates the crap out of me. And so right. if we're looking at these series for, through the lens of today, the biggest complaint that I have about this is wow. This is tone deaf and racist. Something yeah. like this would not stand today. It, it couldn't. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, the fact that we look at this issue and, you know, we both agree that this is a problem. And I think that most readers would agree that this is a problem. You know, you have to, my, my daughter calls me out all the time because we were talking about uh, John Lennon and she was saying, John Lennon did these bad things and these bad things. And I'm like, well, the sixties were a different time. She's like, but that's not an excuse for doing these things. And you are a hundred percent right. And this is very, very important too. If you look at, you know, uh, 
for instance, if someone were to come to you and say, well, Stephen, as a father of, you know, two uh, Asian sons, you are, are biased. I don't think that's true either. I do not believe that any of what we see in this issue should have been acceptable evil in ni- even in 1977. Yeah, and, and to be honest, if I had read this in 1977, I'll, I'll be completely straight up with you. I, yeah. as a dumb kid growing <laughs> up, would never have said, oh, well, all these uh, orange-colored guys, mm-hmm. they're bad. So if I see someone with dark-colored colored skin, they're automatically bad. Right. Uh, I probably would not have had any of that uh, cross my mind. I would have just said, oh, look at this cool uh, action, action stuff. Uh, boy, they're both in yep. in ancient uh, Viking land as well as in uh, Asian. What a what an interesting mix of storytelling. And it would never have crossed my mind. But subtly, because we can go back and look at media from that time period, we can see that subtle racism um, on in our media always being there. So whether I knew it or not that these racist cues were being uh, sent out and maybe I picked up on them, maybe I didn't pick up on them. um, uh, You know, it's, it's still there. Yes. And I I feel like there are a lot of things like this that people don't consciously pick up on, but we see perpetuated in storytelling. Right. Right. You know, if we look at, you know, the sitcoms of the era, there were a lot of sitcoms in those mid-70s that were all of a sudden showing representation of black people. And we would see, hey, the Evans family, or we would see Fred Sanford, we would see these characters. But I clearly remember the Jeffersons coming around and people in my family being like, this is not realistic because George Jefferson was financially successful. He was rich. Right. And we look at, you know, so many of those shows, even though they were important moments for representation and, you know, for all we can say about Black Dragon being kind of awful, he is a relatively rare Asian character in the 70s. You know, he is he is representing badly agreed, but he's representing an underrepresented group of people in this comic and to a lesser degree Karate Kid as well. But sometimes just having a character show up and saying Asian characters exist, or in the case of Tyrock, black people exist in mm-hmm, the future. Mm-hmm. You can't just say that you then have to, you, you, something has to happen. You have to use the well, characters. You yeah. have to put them in the stories and you can't make them be just as we see here, old tropes, just little bits and pieces of moving parts of a story right. that's going somewhere. Except when we did do Tyrock, we did have someone write in and say, hey, you know, seeing a black hero meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seeing black representation in comics, whether you're going back to the old cowboy Lobo, uh, you know, that's important. Yep. But here, imagine if you are an Asian kid and you're opening up this book and you're seeing someone who's got skin that's dark like yours and they're all the bad guys. And, and so I'm, you know, even though you say, Hey, yes, Hey, look, everybody, there's, there's an uh, Asian depiction in here. Uh, isn't that, isn't that great? But it's like, yeah, but they're still played off as the villain. And how does that make people feel? And, and again, I would point people to a couple of, uh, um, things to check out the first one and probably the most important one that kind of shows you, uh, this kind of depiction is Hollywood shuffle, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a comedy that came out in, I want to say the early eighties, maybe the mid eighties. 
Uh, I but it's say like 87, 88, something yeah, like that. But it is a Robert Townsend film, and he plays a, uh, you know, a, a wannabe actor. He wants to be in Hollywood. He wants to get in. He wants to break in. But every time he goes out for a job, he's being hired as pimp or thug or gangster or criminal or hoodlum. Right. And he's really looking at, and, and so the movie is looking at Hollywood through the eyes of uh, someone who's black in how his people are being represented. And he has to make this decision uh, halfway through the film or towards the end of the film where he's basically said, look, if you want to be in movies, these are the parts you got to play. And he either has to say, well, yes, I accept this or no, there's got to be something better. And I don't want to be part of this system. And so I yep. think people might might get a big eye opener if they see this. And the crazy thing is this came out in the mid 80s. Yeah, um, it's a 40 year old, 30 year old film. Yeah. And it still shows why people complain about Oscar so white or black representation in uh, in in film. And unfortunately, when I when I read this, it does just touch a nerve for me. So maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh on this. Uh, maybe some of you may be thinking I'm not being harsh enough. But uh, that's kind of how I feel about this. I just was very disappointed in in this. Not that that not that Black Dragon came back and was wanting to seek revenge because he had been maligned. Um, right. Not because there isn't great action in here and the Legion of Superheroes shows up at the last minute out of nowhere to fight everybody. But mm -hmm. I think the depiction of race and the depiction of, um, you know, the king has to choose even in the far future. And the king is aware of all of this technology. Why else would his daughter be in the Legion of Superheroes if they were still really, truly living in a feudal Europe, which makes you wonder, hey, king, what are you doing to your own people? Mm -hmm. um, you know, but but this this women's right to choose kind of thing right here in the middle of women's lib is also very disturbing. Yeah, it's an unpleasant sandwich of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm sure you really enjoyed this and that's great. But to me, oh. it was just like that. This is kind of emblematic in a kind of a very condensed nutshell of so many of the problems that were going on in the 70s that are still going on today. Yeah. If I were to put a meatloaf rating on it, it would be about a two and a half. And again, that is the best issue of Karate Kid we've read to date. Yeah. Because of the parts that do work. The end of the fight where, you know, Black Dragon and Karate Kid have to work together. Karate Kid has to save his enemy's life. That, you know, that's kind I mean, of cool. He doesn't, that I mean, work. does he though? Yeah, he does. He's, he, he's like, I will save you because I am noble and good. And I'm going to grab you so you don't die. He doesn't really say that. He just says, you know, uh, Black Dragon is like, oh, help, I'm slipping. I'm going to. And he's like, oh, no, you're not. And then yep. they and then they run off. What would have been probably a little bit better here would have been, um, you know, I, I don't have to save you or what's the line from, from Batman. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to let you live. It's a good thing that I'm honoring my father, uh, who was the, you know, the, for those of you that don't remember karate kid was, uh, uh, his father was black dragon or got trained by a black dragon. I forget how the whole line his of secession was the goes. Previous black dragon. Yeah. Replaced yeah, yeah. His father. So, you know, he can say something about, it's a good thing that, uh, I honor my father's values, the real black dragon. And I'm going <laughs> to rescue you. Ha 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 ha. And then Fawoosh uh, or whatever that they hear. Shawoosh. That was an explosion. Karate Kid saved him from yeah. an explosion. Oh no. All the sound effects in this book are just crazy all over the place. <laughs> Chawud. Chawud is Thwap. a sound that makes. Gashmurp. Yeah. Shrak. There's a lot of really, you know, obnoxious stuff in here. But 
I think that the big takeaway from number 10 is that comic books of another era are still comic books of another era. That does not make them right, but sometimes it does make it hard to enjoy even the things that might have worked for you. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know. I was alive in 77. You were alive in mm-hmm. 77, but I don't think we were able to make conscious decisions. I was, you know, eating a lot of cereal and watching yeah, Jason no, of like, Man. Like I said, I thought that uh, when I was watching uh, Super Friends that the addition of Apache Chief and Black Lightning uh, were really, Black really Vulcan. cool. And, who's the other one you said? Oh, and... and Black Vulcan. Yeah, Black yeah, Vulcan. Black Lightning sorry. wasn't in. Sorry, sorry. Uh, Black Vulcan and um, uh, what's the samurai guy? Samurai. Yeah, just Samurai. I was like, oh, cool, that's neat. We're getting to see all of these other heroes without realizing that, oh, the reason why they're putting them in there is for diversification purposes because Justice League So White uh, <laughs> was cause, was potentially causing problems for uh, Hanna-Barbera. Uh, In 1974. Yeah. And so, but I but I'm not thinking about that when I'm watching it. I'm just saying, oh, okay, I get this. It's pretty cool. But I'm also going to bet that there were a lot of other people that were like, why is this guy in here and not Green Lantern this week? Well, because Green Lantern sucks. Yeah. And and why why only uh, Jaina, Wonder Woman, and uh, and Wendy occasionally? Uh, I believe they had, uh, like, one of the Jungle Girls. Rima the Jungle Girl appeared for oh, a minute. Oh, did she? <laughs> for a hot yeah, minute? For, like, for one long. second? Hi, I'm Rima the Jungle she Girl. Was, and she, she was in, like, one door. episode. One of those, uh, when they had one of those team-up episodes. Yeah. Where to be like, hey, now Batman teams up with the Atom. They had a Rima the Jungle Girl segment. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't know. There we go. That's 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 my thought on that. I'm just a little I get a little irritated by this and I hope people will understand. And if you don't understand, then like I said, really uh, do yourself a favor and go watch Hollywood Shuffle and then go track down an episode of Zach on film where we do Hollywood Shuffle. Matthew, I, Zach and Rodrigo all sit down, sit down and talk about that film. You can go and find it on the Internet Archives. You can go find it on, on your favorite podcast player. You can find it over at Majorspoilers.com. And maybe that'll give you a little bit more perspective. But if you're sitting there going, oh, man, this is exactly the way comics should be today, then I don't know. I don't know what to tell you on that. If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes number 232. The Disease That Wouldn't Die. Published October 1977. Written by Jerry Conway with art by Rick Estrada. Synopsis. The Clordney holiday is here, and with it, a strange killing fog. What, what the heck is Clordney, Matthew? Do we ever find out what Clordney Day is? We don't. Clordney is never explained. Is it an anagram for something? I didn't have time to do the anagram, but it just felt like, oh man, this means an anagram of something, or it's gotta be something, or surely they wouldn't just be making a big joke out of this to, to confuse Superboy once again. No, they're making a big joke to confuse Superboy again. And the weird part of the whole thing for me is when it comes to Clordney is it's become part of the joke in Legion circles 
that nobody explains Clortney. Nobody mm. explains, you know, friendship, freedom, and front. You you don't know what front is. It's actually kind of a subtle form of gatekeeping because if you're in on the fact that Clordney is the joke, then you're in on the joke. And if not, it's intentionally, ha ha, you don't get it. Yeah. But yeah. I, I still don't know. Um, I know that, uh, the APA, the amateur press association that loved the Legion in the seventies called their, their magazine Clordney. Oh, nice. Yeah. In like the seventies and eighties, but yeah. You know how I, how we were commenting about how great Rick Estrada was on Karate Kid and especially yeah. all the fight scenes? Yeah. This guy can't draw Jack when people are trying to dance. <laughs> no, his dancing is not good. But weirdly, I like his art I mean, this better. is like throw throw the action figures on the floor and whatever whatever pose they strike. That's that's your dance move. I don't know. Lightning Lad looks like he's broken in half, but yeah. uh, if you look at Saturn Girl, she's really rocking it out. Oh, she looks like she was thrown from a 50-foot-tall tower and landed on her back. And Superboy's <laughs> leg is sticking out to the side like that. It's really... So, and I, so here's the thing, though. I don't know, because this is listed two artists. We've got Rick Estrada and Jack Abel listed on here. And Abel's I don't know... If, inking on Estrada's pencils. That's what I'm wondering if the... Yeah. I mean... Yes, the posing and everything is not good throughout this entire issue, to be honest. Um, but I'm wondering if it isn't Jack Abel's inks that are kind of adding to the problem because he has a there's a lot of heavier strokes in yeah. in this issue than we saw in Karate Kid. And so I can't yeah. help but wonder if that's part of the problem. Well, the last time we saw Estrada in Karate Kid, he was inked by, um, I want to say, Al Milgram. Um, Abel, and we've talked about Abel before. You remember when Sherman came in and Sherman looked great. And then all of a sudden Sherman was inked by Abel and it just mm -hmm. kind of was really heavy and really blunt. Yeah. Abel is one of those inkers who draws like Jack Abel, even if you give him pencils that look like Rick Estrada. And maybe that's what it is. I actually like Estrada's art on this issue better. Hmm Than on Karate Kid, especially yeah, there's a, a shrinking sequence by Violet. That yeah. is fabulous. Yeah, I mean, that looks pretty cool. Uh, but I'm yeah. just thinking that there's a lot of head poses and there's a lot of foreshortening things that just look incredibly weird in here, mm -hmm. especially when um, the fat guy shows up. I, I don't know what he is, except that he's a race. Also another racist guy because he's, he's blaming everything on the on the um, shrinking violets people. Yeah, he literally does not have a name. I mean, he's just basically Stumbo the Giant. Yeah, I think is what I call him because he's you know just like, hey, you M skins are stupid. Yeah, and he's just blaming everything on the M skins because all they want to do is, and this was also, and I don't have a lot of a background, and I don't know the whole, you know, a lot of things going on between Palestine and Israel, except they hate each other because they are fighting over over land as well as other racial issues as well. But right. you know, the M skins are just like, look, we just want to protect our mining. Rights, And so that's why we right. want to do expansionism, but you guys are just, you know, the, the UP is, is just putting us down. And so, you know, maybe we will secede, maybe we will fight you guys. And so that's got everybody all angry at the, the Imskins. Yeah. Uh, the spoilers down the line, the Imskins actually do secede and start a huge war. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I figured we'll that, I figured that's coming because I mean, we are doing, uh, it's Jerry coming Conway. in about 15 years, but it's, yeah, but it's, <laughs> you can see the seeds being planted in here, especially at the end of the issue where Violet is sitting there going, huh, everybody hates me because of who I, 
who I am and who my people are. And this is going to uh, become problem down the line if they really understood what's going on. So I thought that that was very, very fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty solid. And one thing that um, this issue of Superboy and the Legion, another giant size 60 cent issue, does really well. It's a really, uh, is, felt like a long issue. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a double-sized issue. It's the equivalent of two issues, but it balances two teams of Legionnaires in different places mm-hmm. in an interesting way because we have the team celebrating Clordney, so we have the Rans couple, Superboy and um, Shrinking Violet, out in the spacey space, and I believe uh, Colossal Boy is with their squad as well, possibly. Uh, he is with... Uh, Colossal Boy and with Cosmic Boy, was, with right. Cosmic Boy because they are aboard this crazy looking ship that looks uh-huh. like a submarine, uh-huh. right? And the crew of this ship kind of look like space sailors. Like if you've ever seen like, um, uh, you know, some of the 50s sci-fi movies where it's basically yes. like if we're going into space, everyone's going to have like Rocky a naval Grimm, command space ranger. Yeah. So it kind of it's really weird that they kind of remind me of this is a submarine crew and they're stuck in space and they're being shrunk down by this shrink ray. And of course, yeah. everyone wants to br- blame uh, shrinking violet right away uh, because of this. And yep. everyone is like, no, that's not it. And then they're finding out that there's some guy with some weird ass eyes that uh that has been programmed or something i don't know this guy this villain guy is is pretty crazy yeah he's the immune and he's come to destroy rj brand because i am the immune i think those are goggles i i think so too i hope i think they are goggles but it's just really it's like he's wearing you know how people talk about a hat on a hat it's like he's wearing sunglasses on top of sunglasses it looks like, yeah, it looks like he's wearing a pair of Oakley glasses and then like round John yeah, Lennon glasses. Yeah, some wrap glasses around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And putting the right. whole thing under a helmet and yes. he looks really goofy. It, it really is goofy. Uh, but we'll come back to Immune in just a moment because I think that that's a perfect way to solve this problem is to use this guy. And I can't imagine, well, we'll just talk about him now. I can't imagine that at the end of this issue when Brainiac 5 finally figures out, oh, wait, we can reverse this this shrinking thing that's uh, causing all the problems in the universe. Um, mm-hmm. We can reverse this by using this guy's immune system. Mm-hmm. And part of me wants to say is, okay, he's a captured prisoner now because of attacking RJ brand and all these other things. Right. Do they just hook him up to the, you know, the, the UP medical system and just inject him with every single poison and, ailment and virus that that goes around and then just turn around and take the antibodies right out of him as his punishment war crime i mean he's a prisoner right i mean i don't i mean maybe that's part of his sentence maybe that's part of his sentence that he gets a lighter sentence if he agrees to become the the immunologist of the, the united planets if he agrees that would be one thing just doing it I think would be a huge human rights violation. Well, and I mean, who's going to know? He just disappeared into the system. Also, oh, why do we have yet another RJ brand? In this, uh, comic? this one, this one is actually because it's Halloween. That's actually RJ brand practicing his, uh, Heisenberg costume. <laughs> he's, he's going for Halloween as Walter white. I, I just took a look at this, you know, so immune is really upset. He thinks that, um, his problem, uh, you know, he came from a planet that uh, basically blew itself up because they kept amping up their their weapons, uh, fighting one another with 
nuclear and chemical and, you know, biological. And he was the only one to survive. And he came out with this mutation that made him immune to everything. And so he's, he can counter any disease or anything that you throw at him. And so he comes to quote unquote, find out that it's the United planets that were behind this. This was the military industrial complex, uh, fast at work. Uh, so they could make millions of dollars off of this. And so he goes after RJ brand, uh, because of this, but man, we see, uh, RJ's a uh, little planetoid, uh, orbiting somewhere outside the, uh, orbit of, uh, Mercury. Deep but, inside the uh, belly of a sperm whale. I yeah. Think. But man, he is bald and looks nothing like RJ brand that we've ever seen before. He's bald and he has glasses, which I think yeah. is one of the first times we've seen glasses in the future too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I think he may be actually drawn to look like somebody, mm. but yeah, just for a split second, he just pops up. Um, I think that this is the first hint as to RJ Brand's true nature. Oh, as a uh, chameleon boy's uh, father. Shh. We oh, I'm sorry. That. We haven't learned that yet. As a shape-shifting entity who may or may not be chameleon boy's father. We haven't learned that yet. Ah, damn it. Yeah. You're just making stuff up. Anyway, legionnaires <laughs> get captured by space, space, space pirates. Special space pirates. And we find out that it is an old foe that we have met before. Regulus. Dr. Regulus. Now remind you may us remember everyone him of, from such films as bloody mess on the highway. Yeah. So where else did we see Dr. Regulus? He was in, he Dr. was in previous, uh, issue. Yep, Dr. Regulus is actually the man who created Sunboy. As you'll recall, Regulus mm-hmm. uh, threw Sunboy in the radioactive uh, microwave. isotope chamber. Yeah, the radioactive microwave, exactly what it was. Um, I can't remember the exact issue because I completely blanked on the existence of Zaxton Regulus for a moment. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, We've talked Dr. About Regulus, it actually, I want to say the last time we saw him ooh, would have been during the Cockrum era. Yeah. 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 It's been a while. So I I remember, I remember when he showed up and it was, it was interesting uh, because we did get that, that uh, origin story of, of sun boy. But Dr. Regulus, you know, he has something to contain everyone. He's got like lightning rods to contain lightning uh, lad. He's got red sun projectors to cripple Superboy. He's got uh, Imra under the um, sonic uh, silencer. And of course, Sunboy is is under the uh, is under glass because that's what you do is you just put Sunboy under glass, and uh, he can't get out. Then and you then, can charge a thousand dollars for anybody <laughs> who wants to eat Sunboy in your high. Oh, never mind. And then you've got Shrinking Violet in this, uh, you know, hermetically sealed tube to where she can't shrink and get out. But oh my gosh, little did Regulus know that Saturn Girl and Shrinking Violet have the exact same body type. The exact yep. same eye color. The only yep. thing they have to do is switch costumes and put on a wig and yep. no one can ever tell the difference. That is correct. The old costume switcher. This is the second time we've seen them do this. Uh, they did it before it's, when they were invading um, uh, Mars. Was it Mars attacks? Was that the issue or was it the Venus? One of the planets was, go- oh no, it was Australia. They were going into the Australian Chancellor's office. Venus, Australia, it's all the same. Yeah, it's all a whole different country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that does bring up another problem that I have with this. What's that? The implication that all women are just interchangeable. Well, in their defense, later in the same issue, they pull the old costume switcheroo again with male legionnaires. Yeah. 
So really, it's not saying that women are interchangeable. It's saying that legionnaires are all interchangeable. And I feel like that's somehow less stupid. Except then we get these really weird panels. And this is in the first half of the of the book, I want to say, where mm. all we do is see two panels of nothing but Saturn girl butt. And then a few panels later, all we see is a shrinking violet butt cheek. Just yeah. max, uh, just just filling up the entire panel. And I know some people are down for that kind of stuff. I don't want to deny you your cheesecake. Cheesecake is fine. But uh, you look at uh, look at uh, Cosmic Boy in in the uh, the thing that he wears. We mm. don't see him with a nice butt shot in any of this stuff or a crotch shot or anything like that. Well, Colleen Doran doesn't start drawing the Legion for another few years. Yeah. So. so I don't know. It's just something that is like, Wow. Um, and again, I don't, I don't have a problem with female form or anything like that, but mm -hmm. once I can forgive it because, okay, that is kind of framing and that is that cowboy hip shot that hit hip shot that you see a lot in, in films and movies, uh, mm -hmm. and, but, and here's the thing, I, and I'm using, but as the, as the actual word and not the, the, the extra T meanwhile, <laughs> here's the thing, the butt shot, especially with women is very prevalent in film and television. And if you don't believe me, look at any, any television show, any movie that has an attractive woman in it and look how often they do that same framing with her rear end, yep. uh, to, to convey some meaning to can get some kind of a interesting shot. Whereas what they're really going for is, and I, I'm not, I can't say that they're really going for just a butt shot, but I mean, they're, they're going for that. Um, who was it? Uh, the uh, the woman who plays the lead android resurrection in Westworld, uh, Tandy. Um, Fandy Newton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go and listen to her about when she was going to be in some movies, they're like, mm -hmm. oh, yes, we're going to start out with this beautiful shot of your butt. And she's no, you're not. And she walked off and said, that's not going to happen in any movie that I'm in. Uh, so she you know, this is something that she points out as something that she has experienced in her life. And yep. even though we, and I, again, this is one of those things, like I was talking about in the previous issue, we probably don't think about because it's always been present, whether we knew it or not. Yep. But if you just suddenly are aware that, Hey, notice when, and this is literally called a hip shot or a cowboy shot where we're framing from the hip with the hip in the frame, because if this were, you know, a showdown at the okay corral, you know, the hand would be there and the gun would be there. And that's where we would frame that shot. So we can see him pull out the gun and shoot the bad guy at the other end of the street or the good guy at the end of the street, depending on your, your perspective. Um, but why do they do it with women more than men now? And once you are aware of it, you'll start seeing it pop up a lot. Yeah. If you watch, uh, specifically Star Trek, the next generation and NCW shows, I hate to say that. Oh, uh, next generation though it, they are just famous for it there's a sequence where uh troy and picard and Riker are going down a ladder yeah so yeah, yeah. Riker climbs down the ladder and picard climbs down the ladder and then the camera makes sure to get a beautiful pan of troy's entire body as she comes down the ladder and i'm mm -hmm. just like wow i mean that is not the way they treated the male forms and yep. it's definitely noticeable here there are a lot of butt shots in this issue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There yeah. are at least six that I've noticed so far. And usually part of it is the fact that Saturn girl's costume is basically, you know, a bikini. It's got boy right. shorts on the bottom. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just something that 
you know, we can point Once it out to you. Once you notice it, you can't yeah, yeah, not yeah. That's, notice and it. And I think that's the thing. Is Yes, and that's my problem, is now that I'm super aware of it and have been made aware of it for 10 years or so now, it's like yeah. you cannot unsee it. And yeah. again, I don't want to deny anybody their cheesecake. I think uh, the female form is very pleasing to look at. I think the male form is very pleasing to look at at times. Um, if you are someone who follows Nightwing in DC Comics, yeah. you know that there is a whole... Uh, discussion, fandom, standum, whatever you want to, to call it, uh, that has been raised about Nightwing's butt. And they will show his butt as much as they possibly can. So if you're looking about a whataboutism or if you're looking for a, uh, have you forgotten that this kind of disqualifies all the other stuff, uh, Nightwing is, a, is one of those things that I think you could probably use, but I don't think that it would, would work. I mean, yeah. it's just male gaze Nightwing or female gaze. Nightwing is almost gaze. the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So... And I feel like, you know, visually speaking, there are a lot of moments in this issue that just, you know, work for me in a way that I, I, I wasn't expecting. Aside from some weird anatomy and, you know, the butt shots that now mm-hmm. I can't stop seeing. Mm-hmm. There are some really nicely put together shots in this issue. There's a mm-hmm. Superboy running forward and getting ready to bash his way through a wall shot. The, it's a little bit awkward, but it's also really dynamic. Yeah, and when Monel punches uh, Immune right in the face and his teeth explode all over the page, that's pretty yeah. cool. That is really nicely done. Uh, there is a shot the where... where where Colossal and uh, Cosmic Boys are shrinking down, mm-hmm. and the background stays relatively the same, and they keep getting smaller. That must have been hard to do, and it really came out well. There's a very disturbing panel where Immune is freaking out because uh, he thinks he's shrinking and his body's not um, working, and so he's, like, screaming, Protect! That's also really weird. Uh, There's a disturbing panel where Saturn Girl screams and says it's as if a million voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. Oh, wait, that's Star Wars. And then no, but she does collapse. Yeah, yeah. After after mentally connecting with all the people of a planet, right? Her home planet actually. Oh yeah, yeah. That's shrunk. right. That's one of the the places that got the get that got shrunk. Yep. All the telepaths of Saturn. Excuse yeah. This me. this Titan. Yeah, Titan. Sorry. Uh, this issue really though, if if people kind of want in a nutshell what what the military industrial complex is all about, this one kind of dives into that in a very interesting way and sets it up and shows you. This is what happens. People are only concerned about making money from war uh, without thinking of the repercussions of the people. And here's what happens when the people start to rise up and fight back. Uh, it's very, very interesting. I mean, that's one of the things that are just kind of I caught in as maybe perhaps contained into this. Yeah. And, and you know, something else about this issue that is completely unrelated to the deep philosophical moments we've been having. What's that? The Legion Cruiser gets a redesign. Oh, again, yeah. It kind of looks like uh, the Phoenix from Wait, Battle of the Planets. No, no, that isn't uh, the ship that opens the... The Legion Cruiser. That's not... No, they're, that's the the one that they open up on where they're all dancing on the ship. That's not a Legion Cruiser. That's... Uh, that they're, they're on some... Um, no, they're on uh, the, the Glory of Ganymede. No. It's a, it's a, it's a party a vessel. Idea. Yeah, a party it's a, bus aboard the most spectacular luxury space liner of the 30th century, the Glory of Ganymede. A party is in progress, and then you look at the horrible, horrible body torture that's going on as everyone's bodies are being um, Electri- They're being around. electrocuted. It's yeah, a party yeah. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. 30th century. Yeah, you're being struck by lightning. Yep. Uh, there is one other thing that I found that I couldn't help but hear in my head every time Regulus is talking. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have been watching the Harley Quinn series on HBO, HBO Max or DC Universe. 
I have not. But their take on Bane is very, very funny in that he's a complete loser and a complete tool. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they're trying to do the whole muffled voice thing. But all I hear is his voice. I sent the immune after Renee Brand so they would encounter the Legion and humiliate them. Brand, of course, is innocent. And it's just like, <laughs> I cannot stop hearing that voice every time I hear Regulus talk. It is just <laughs> to the point of annoying humor to where it diminishes Regulus in my mind. I I'm going to guess, though, that we never see Regulus again after this. Very rarely. Regulus oh. shows up again a few times because he's basically Sunboy's villain. Oh, right, right. So anytime they want to focus on Sunboy, that's the one villain they have that is definitely Sunboy's guy. Well, there you go. Anything else you want to talk about in this issue? Uh, no. All right. Well, I thought that this one was okay. Still problematic. I mean, it was really long, so you definitely got your yeah. 60 cents out of this. Um, yeah, but... Uh, Definitely better than, than the Karate Kid issue. It was, it was kind of fun. There was some wacky characterization, and Timberwolf is suddenly all like, I work alone after 15 years in a team. But yeah, I, I feel like this is not a terrible issue overall. Certainly better than Karate Kid number 10. There you go. We have reached the end of this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Matthew, what did we learn this week? We learned that when you're a timber wolf, you're always mad about something. I think we also learned that it is important to put yourself in the place of uh, other people who are not you and see how they might react to your depiction of their race or nationality or skin color. And if you want to really tick somebody off, stick your flight ring in his collar and make him crash into the ceiling. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Thank you so much for joining us this time. If you have any questions, you can send us an email, podcast at majorspoilers.com. Always happy to hear your thoughts. Uh, I know many of you will uh, hit me up on Twitter following the end of this episode. That's fine, too. At Major Spoilers or Matthew at Mighty King Cobra. Again, Jason will repeat that in just a moment. We would love your support so we can continue this show in the future. Head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Spoilers for more. And this year, I do believe that our yearly t-shirt for those that qualify, is the Legion Clubhouse t-shirt. So you can get one of those. You can find out more at patreon.com slash major spoilers. So until next time, I'm just a guy reading comics, man. And I'm Front L. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.